You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hey, Live Different Podcast listeners, welcome to episode 100. I can't believe we've made it this far, and I am just getting started with the Live Different Podcast. If you've been listening for the last few weeks, we have some special changes going on. We are starting to record the podcast on Facebook Live. So what this means is I would love to see a friend request from you or follow me on Facebook. I want to build community around the podcast. I've been building community online and offline for over 10 years through under30ceo.com, through under30 experiences, our travel company for young people. And I want to get feedback on the Live Different podcast. I want to meet you. I want to know who the people are, who are listening, how we can help you better. And I want some real interaction. So search me on Facebook, Matt Wilson, under 30 experiences, you are absolutely bound to find me. And thank you guys so much. I just want to express some gratitude for listening in to over a hundred episodes. I want to take this podcast to the next level. And that means I need your help. So find me on Facebook. I try to record on Fridays. So let's do it. Come stop by. I'll go live. I'll bring the guests so that you can have interaction with them, which is just one of the most valuable parts about having a podcast. So thank you guys very much and get set for episode 100 with Jordan Harbinger. And hey guys, one more thing. Our Costa Rica yoga retreat that I'm running with my girlfriend, former podcast guest Luz Garcia, is sold out. But if you want to come and take your yoga practice to the next level, see a culture that is incredibly unique, and get to hang out in our community, come to Bali, Indonesia this September 30th for our retreat in Bali. Check it out on under30experiences.com. No, you do not have to be under 30. We are open normally ages 21 to 35, but if you are cool, we want to come hang with you at this villi, billy, villa in Bali, Indonesia. So check it out, under30experiences.com. I really hope to see you there. I am pumped to have Jordan. Previously, you may have heard him on The Art of Charm. You might have heard him on Sirius. He is starting his own podcast. I'm really excited to talk to him about that. We're going to go over a handful of strategies here. Jordan is uh, really into something called social dynamics, which I'm excited to talk to him more about today. He's been a previous guest uh, on the Live Different podcast, and I've been over there on, uh, on one of his shows. We're going to talk today a little bit more about how to not get kidnapped while traveling, something like Jordan. Uh, Jordan might know a little bit about that. Uh, if you listen to the previous podcast with us, I think that came up. What to know if you ever travel to North Korea, uh, always interesting, as Jordan has some experience with. How to get yourself out of any situation while still being authentic. This is something that I really want to talk about uh, with you, Jordan. And also, what the hell you learn over there in law school, because that is a mystery to me, and uh, I know you've been there. So, Jordan, welcome. 
Thanks, man. I'm just sort of torn between which display. Do I look at you on the full size or do I look at you on my little phone here where the camera is? And do I talk into the mic or do I talk to the phone? This is the type of thing that makes people feel old. And that is, that's, you know, that's something I'm just going to have to get used to, I think. <laughs> so thanks hey, for technology. Technology is changing quickly. And uh, I just hired someone. And then I found out how old he was. And because I saw it come through on, I don't know, some piece of paperwork. And I believe he was born in 1995. And I was like, oh, my God, he is very young. Or I'm very old. I don't know which. I'll, I'll tell you, we can just skip right down to the law school thing because I'll stop you right here. You never Oops. want to talk about hiring somebody and then finding out their age and then having some sort of adverse reaction. Because if you ever fire somebody because they're too young or too old, you are going to wish you never fired them and you would have just been better off paying them for the next decade after they get done suing you. So let's just say that that was a hypothetical situation. And that you're really excited. Totally to hypothetical. This, you're excited to have this young, mm -hmm. fresh, new blood in the organization. and uh, That's really great. Yes. Uh, luckily, here in – you know what? We'll just, we'll just skip this off. I am currently in a, I, I'm currently in a country where they send their birthdays and their often sexy photos on their CV. Yes. So I'm not going to say anything more. Uh, tell me more about law school, Jordan. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like you're a lawyer. I could probably use your help yeah. before I get kidnapped. Well, I'll tell you right now, I am a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer. So let's just get that out of the way. That's, uh, that's All right. something you learn to say in law school. Um, being Going to law school was really, I wouldn't say super fun for me, but it was interesting enough in that what it did for me was it showed me how to think like an advocate. And that's something that I bring into the Jordan Harbinger show all the time is being an advocate for the audience in that I'm asking questions of the guests that the audience wants to know the answer to. I'm not letting the guests on the show waste audience time because I have that duty, that fiduciary duty to use a legal term, to be an advocate for the audience and respect their time, respect that as a resource, respect their money, respect their investments that they're making. So I don't have shysters on the show I don't have scammers on if I can avoid it, of course, if I know in advance. Um, I don't promote things I don't believe in. I don't waste the audience's time. That has been very important. So I may not use my law degree other than to read contracts these days, uh, depending on if I'm involved in any sort of uh, drama in that respect. But I will use the ethics in the business. And that's actually been super useful. And I, I recommend that to anybody who's doing business. You're running a business. Think about your customer as think about your customer as yourself and treat them accordingly and man it'll be it'll be so useful for you because you'll never you won't have any of those questions like should i do this i really need the money should i do that i really need this you won't have to worry about that anymore because if you think about treating those people the same way as you would treat yourself or your own brother then it, those questions often answer themselves both in business and in whatever sort of podcast or videos you're creating for your audience. Does that make sense? No, that, that makes a lot of sense. One thing that uh, I really admired about how you work is when I came on your podcast, I mean, it was no, hey, man, you would just want to come on and we'll shoot the shit. It was, uh, it was planned yeah. out. You did your yeah. research and there was a plan for you to market uh, the podcast, make sure that it was worth my time to come on because you knew that you could get exposure for it. Uh, so, I, yeah, I really appreciated how you how you operated. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. There's one thing that I took from 
from law school, which is over preparing is so much better than under preparing. And I do that in my interviews, too. You know, if I have a guest on the Jordan Harbinger show, I'll read their entire book. If they have two books, I'll read both um, on the subject. Or if they've got a YouTube channel, I won't just watch one of the videos. I might watch like 20 of the videos and I'll watch their Google talk and their TED talk. And their. it's just you have to know their work better than any other host you'll never know it as good as them but you should be able to speak with them on a level where they think they're talking to a colleague and not just a random media interview because you, you otherwise you're getting the autopilot responses like oh gee matt why did you move to costa rica well you know it's really fun i like the outdoors and blah blah no i want to know what in your childhood made you want to leave your home country that's a better question than why costa rica buddy like that is such an empty shell of a question that everyone asks you. So you're going to have an autopilot response. But if I say, why don't you still live in the place where you grew up? That's much more interesting because there's going to be a story there instead of just a canned answer. Does that make sense? I, I completely agree. And I think how you framed it was that you were trying to put something out that just wasn't the run of the mill, uh, regular old, like your spiel. Right. Yeah. Okay. This is what you said. You said that you wanted to create something that my audience would like because it went deeper than the normal things that I would have normally said. And so you, I think you said you wanted to create a unique piece of content that I would want to share. And that was that, and that our, my interest or my audience would really be interested. And in. I think that's how you framed it. I really liked that. Yeah, it has to be unique enough that the audience gives a crap. Otherwise, it's a waste of their time. So that all goes back to being an advocate for the audience, right? If you're if you're just putting out content because you're like, crap, I need something to air this week, you should not be creating that content at all. Does that make sense? No, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, that, that that makes a ton of sense. And uh, I wanted to actually take a moment to thank our audience because we do have a bunch of people uh, signing in yeah. on Facebook Live. Um, we've got, if you see any of your friends here, I will, uh, you can definitely shout them out. But we've got Juan coming in from the Galapagos. We've got Mike O'Malley, who's been on a bunch of trips with under 30 experiences. Caesar in the office there in Austin says, Moss Gluten. Uh, I saw we've that. got. I don't know what I mean. We've got Camilla. Uh, are you are you gluten free, Jordan? No. Should I be? Are you are you gluten light? Probably. I don't know. Okay. Well, as long as you're Maybe. not binging on uh, binging on pasta and and breads, I I don't think you're any schlep though when it comes to uh biohacking or at least you know some things about some things yeah you know i know a lot of, of, of that stuff sort of just from interacting with people like you look i'll tell you i don't eat tons of bread but i also don't eat tons of meat either and i lost like 30 35 pounds over the past year not, Damn. and not by going i'm gonna lose 30 pounds but by going gee i walked 400 steps today i don't think that's healthy and so i go outside and i make my phone calls and I go outside and I do my audiobook reading. And when I'm inside, I'm recording or it's raining, right? And then I do the little garage workouts. And then it's like, if I go to a, the Mexican restaurant and there's a bucket of chips in front of me, maybe I will consciously decide that I shouldn't have that entire basket before my meal comes, you know? Or maybe I'll just not order something gross. And I'll say that if I still want it after I eat my salad, then I'll order it. And I can count on one hand the number of times that that's happened so it's these little bits of habit change 
that I'm sure you're familiar with, it doesn't require me to go, all right, I'm paleo, gluten-free, every, you know, all this other stuff now, and I'm cooking at home using only Soylent. Like, I don't have to do that. I just have to make small choices, and those small choices added up to big things. And I'm big on habit change on the Jordan Harbinger show as well, so I have to practice what I preach. And frankly, if I'm going to be on stage and recording videos and doing content, I can't have people going, hey, let me know if you need help biohacking, which is like, hey, let me know if you want to stop being fat. And I was like, yeah, I kind of need to get my shit together in that area too. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, mass gluten, as Caesar says, uh, we got Charles from Montreal uh, signing in. We got Kayla, Corey Martin, who's down the street here in Costa Rica. We've got Roland from Peru. Uh, Drew Pennington, have not seen Drew from a while, but he is an old school under 30 CEO guy. And uh, he says he's so glad he could be here for this. Brian Stark says, hey, Matt, what's up? Alvin is coming back from the uh, from the farm here in Costa Rica. He's probably going to be at the farmer's market tomorrow. I'm going to buy my organic vegetables from him. We've got all sorts of people coming in. Matea, who's uh, probably down at Envision right now. Uh, Tanya from Austin. we got Niels, who's from Costa Rica, really cool Eco Lodge. He's on right now. Nick Griffin uh, and... Uh, Rob Budd, Brian Davey, yeah, a bunch of really cool people. So thank you guys for, for signing, uh, signing in and, and watching. You got anybody there, uh, Jordan, that, that you see uh, yeah. that you'd like to say hello to? Yeah, since I'm super old man style with Facebook Live, I see Daniel Becker over in Germany, Edith Harmon over in, uh, well, either the UK or Slovakia or somewhere else traveling around, and Jason Sanderson, who is my – He's my left-hand man because my right-hand man is another Jason who also does audio. But it's – and Jason – yeah, damn it. I knew somebody was going to find out. Jason Sanderson says, I've seen Jordan eat the whole basket of chips. He's not lying. He's seen it. <laughs> he has seen it. And I, I, I cannot tell a lie, especially when it's an obvious one. Yeah, I've had, me, I've had not enough meals with Jason because he's one of my favorite people. But, yeah, he's, he's seen me eat the whole basket of chips and then some. Um, so, shame. <laughs> I just, I just went and uh, had a burrito downstairs at Sancho's and I, you know, there's not a corn tortilla to eat with a burrito. It's got to wrap up tight and, and that was gluten. So you, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Um, so yeah, hello, hello to everybody. If you guys have a question, if you want to, to ask it, feel free. Uh, we'll try to get to it. So Jordan, let, let's get into a couple things. <laughs> yeah. Before how, you bore the how do you not, how, how do you not get kidnapped while traveling? Can you tell me this? Or how do you get I mean, kidnapped I, while traveling either way? Answer, then we would be in a different situation. Look, the, the reason that I got kidnapped while traveling twice, once was very avoidable and won't happen to anyone ever. And the other, the other one could happen to anyone anywhere. So when I was 20, I was in Mexico City and I was living there. And this, is, this was 2000. So it was kind of pre-mobile phone. And thank God for that. Because, yes, I could have probably called for help, but, two, the driver who kidnapped me could have called for backup. So what happened was I was driving – or I was in sort of a crappy barrio area where I was staying and living. And Mexico City, if you haven't been there, it's shaped like a bowl. So the center of town, the old stuff, all the downtown area is in the middle, the lowest part of the bowl. And all the poorer people, they live on the side of the bowl and towards the top of the bowl where all the pollution rises to and sort of sticks. And that's where I was staying at the time. And so I got a taxi and it was a 
Volkswagen Beetle, you know, 68 Volkswagen Beetle, the green one. This is basically like, that's kind of everybody's sort of, that's, that's basically a traditional taxi in Mexico City. And people were starting to go, hey, look, you got to be careful. Taxi drivers are a little bit shady, which is true in almost every country, if not every country. And I caught this taxi and usually I take the, the brightly colored school buses with murals painted on them. I forget what they're called, but you know these, right? Where it's like, there'll be an old school bus and it's a, it's a private transportation, but it's essentially substituting mass transit. And there's like an airbrushed Mariah Carey all over the side of it. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh yeah. Those are my favorite, either collectivos or, or just the chicken buses. Sometimes we call them. Oh yeah. Chicken bus is probably, yeah. You'll ride with chickens or you'll ride with people that are like fighting and the driver's like, eh, whatever, 10 pesos you know, go right. for yourself. So I, I get a taxi because I'm, I'm dressed to go out and I don't want to screw around and I want to get down further and faster. And we start driving and I'm like, huh, maybe there's traffic because we're driving like around the edge of the bowl and that's kind of scary. So usually we just drive down and then we kept driving, we kept driving and my conscious brain was like, what's going on here? And then I was getting scared, and then my brain was like, don't get scared. There's probably a good reason for this. And then after a while, I was like, oh, shoot, maybe there isn't Maybe there isn't a good reason for this. Maybe there's something ulterior motive is happening. And then your, your brain, you get into a battle with your own brain. And you're like, do I, do I believe that this is a bad thing that's happening to me, or do I rationalize that this is going to be fine? And I rationalized it for a while, and I started saying, like, hey, why don't you just drop me off here? And the, no, 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 we're almost there. And I'm like, well, I know that's not true. And I'm like, look, man, take me back. No, 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 there's traffic. And I'm like, how does he know there's traffic? You know, this is not good. I, I know something is, is shady is going on. So I look and the doors are locked and I can't, the door locks are going below the surface of the door. You know what I'm saying? So like you can't put oh, yeah. the lock up. And then I realized sort of quietly testing the door that it's locked from the outside or it's locked locked and I can't open it from the inside and I was like oh shoot this is like the child lock only this is a 68 beetle there's no child locks you know he rigged this so I realized I'm in a kidnap van that's actually like oh. the VW beetle and then we stop in front of this this house that's like all cinder blocks and it's shady and there's no street lights and we're in the middle of the hood like even worse hood than where I was living so I was like oh shoot you know this is not good at all so I tell the driver, don't get out of the car. Don't get out of the car. And I put my arm between him and the door. You know, I'm in the back seat. He's in the front. I slide behind him. I put my arm between him and the door. He does not notice that I do this. And he goes, relax, relax, relax. I'm just going to get out and ask my friends for directions. Now I know it's bullshit because a taxi driver in Mexico City who doesn't know how to find the center of downtown but has to get right. out and ask his friends for directions. Any friends you have living in this place, buddy, I don't want you to get out and talk to. So – he makes a fast one for the door, doesn't realize my arm is blocking between him and the door. He makes a fast one for the door, and I'm 20. I'm in really good shape. All I'm doing in Mexico is eating freaking tacos with carne asada and going to the gym. That's it. I, I probably weighed 209 pounds, and I was probably like 10% body fat at the time. By contrast, I weigh 162 right now, and I, I still look like somebody that you probably wouldn't want to – I hope I look like somebody that you wouldn't want to sneak up on, but you never know. <laughs> And so I wrestle with him and, you know, I'm behind him and he's probably 40 to 50 years old and he sits in a taxi all day and I'm 20 years old and I hang out at the gym all day. So I'm here telling you this story. He's not. Let's just put let's just put it that way. So after he's done fighting, 
I have to crawl between the two seats in the front of the VW Bucks. I still can't open the window, and I don't want to punch a piece of plate glass with my hand because that's a good way to get a nasty cut. It's not auto glass from the 60s, right? This is, like, just going to hurt me. So I crawl between the seats. I open his door. I undo his seatbelt. I push him out of the car. Uh, Actually, I don't even know if he had a seatbelt, now that I think about it. Push him out of the car. We're not moving. The car stopped. Relax. And then I try to drive the car. Well, here's the problem. It's a stick shift. I'm panicked. It's a 68 Volkswagen Beetle. There's, there's a trick to the clutch. There's a trick to the key. There's a trick to the stick. There's a trick to the steering wheel. So I realize I can't drive this thing. I can't even get this thing going. So I take the keys out, throw the keys. 2020 hindsight, not a good move. I should have kept the keys because he could have found them, but I threw them somewhere. He didn't get up to find them, thankfully. So I start running back to where we came from, or so I think. I'm running down the street, running down the street. I'm sweating through my Banana Republic chinos, which is what I was wearing because it was 2000. Relax. I bought this in the night. Great decision. So I'm running. I'm wearing like, you know, probably the equivalent of loafers or something. Banana Republic chinos and a light blue dress shirt. And I'm a white dude in the hood in Mexico. So I'm sweating through my clothes. I'm running. Nobody wants to stop for me because I look like a crazy person. And finally, this guy stops with who I thought was his daughter, but retrospect was totally his girlfriend. And he stops and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, broken Spanish. I got kidnapped by a taxi driver. And he's like, dude, what the hell? You're in the hood. And I'm like, get me out of here. And he's like, you're not getting in my car. I'm like, I'll ride in the trunk. I don't care. Just get me out of here. And he's like, you can tell he's thinking because he's a, he was a doctor. You wondered if I needed help. I was like, I'm not injured, but I need to like get out of here. And the girl's like, you can't leave him here. You can't, you can't leave him here. This is like so dangerous. And if he got kidnapped, they're going to come back and they're going to get him. Like get, so I get in the car. They don't make me ride in the trunk. I get in the back seat. I tell them the whole story. And I'm like, take me to the police station. And they go, Oh, they give me this look like, Oh, gringo. If you go to the police station, you're going right back here or you're going to rot in prison. And also, do you even know if that cab driver's alive? Cause the narrative from their perspective is, you maybe murdered a cabbie or beat one up and you just ran away. And if the cops are in on it, which is like 50, 50 chance that they're in on whatever scam this is, you're going back to whatever gang hired this cabbie. And then they're going to be pissed, you know? And they're like, true, true story. What you need to do is get the hell out of here and just never come back. And that's what I did. I didn't never go back to Mexico, but I sure as hell moved out of Mexico city. So that was how my first, three or six months or whatever in Mexico city ended. Uh, that's what, that's how that ended for me. And I moved to Guadalajara and I never went back to Mexico city. Wow. Well, that, first of all, that's a, that's a hell of a story. And, uh, I'm glad that you were weighing in at a lean 209 yeah. pounds so that you could kick the, or, or you're a lawyer. I don't want to incriminate you right yeah. now, but, uh, I'm how sure you he was nicely fine. set that man on the ground. Yes, yeah, I'm fine. sure he's fine. We, we negotiated <laughs> totally. it and it worked out fine. Right, absolutely. Um, well, that is a hell of a story. I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your your intuition, and uh, I know you work a lot on. Well, it's not really social dynamics, but in a bit it is when you can start to read someone else, and you know that this situation is not good, and. Uh, you know, I kind of, I jokingly said that you're going to learn how not to get kidnapped, but I really want to dig into more of the, the dynamics as you felt 
at some point with your intuition or you sense this guy's body language or something that said, uh, I need to start testing the door or I need to start looking around because this isn't going well right now. And you could tell without him communicating anything to you verbally. So could you talk a little bit more about what you might have picked up on or how other people can pick up on uh, different types of, of cues that their intuition is telling them? Yeah, so you don't really have to train your intuition that much. What you have to train is your rational brain's process. And pardon me, I'm going slow because I'm trying to say this in the right way. What you have to train is your natural brain's process of interrupting your intuition. And women are better at this than guys are because women have better intuition because they don't cloud it as much because they've evolved differently. They have more of a survival uh, intuition than guys do because we don't have the same type of safety concern when we go out. Like I'll tell you, I can count on one or two hands the number of times that I've gone out in the last decade where I've been like, am I safe right now? But every woman that you talk to, every time they go out, for the most part, they have to calculate, am I talking to a dangerous person? Is this area safe? Is this bar safe? Can I, am I going to run into problems if I deal with this or do this? Women have to do that. Guys were just like, oh, shoot, you're right. I am surrounded by angry people who are all carrying <laughs> knives. You know, like, you, we don't even know because you don't have to worry about that stuff most of the time. So the idea that men have intuition and women have intuition, we, we, both, we both do, both genders do. It's just that guys have been ignoring it for millions of years, and especially lately we're all ignoring this type of thing, and it can become a real problem. So what was happening to me in the taxi cab that 2020 hindsight was really interesting was the first thought was, hmm, this isn't the way we normally go. Oh, well. And I'm lucky I didn't have a phone to distract me because I would have just gone on Facebook or something. But instead, all I had to do was look out the window because I was in a taxi cab in the year 2000 and nobody had phones. So I was starting to think about it and I was like, this is a weird dodgy area. Hmm. We're going up the mountain instead of down the mountain. So I know we're not going towards the right place. Why is he doing this? Oh, well, he's probably in the rationalization started. Oh, well, maybe there's traffic. Maybe there's an accident. He drives all day. He knows the best route. And then after a while, I went hey, driver, why are we going this way? And he went, oh, um, and I thought if he says accident or traffic, then I'll just totally be like, mm, okay. But instead he went, oh, I'm taking a shortcut. And I was like, there's no shortcut down a mountain. Does he think I don't know where I'm going? And that must be it. So then I realized, oh, if he thinks that there's a shortcut and he thinks that I think there's a shortcut, then he's lying to me. Why would he lie to me? Hey, driver, why don't you just let me out here? No. Well, wait a minute. A taxi driver would love to just drop somebody off and pick up another fare. That's how they make more money. No, we're almost there. No, we're not. We're, we're, we're further away than we were where you picked me up. Now I know he's lying. So now I have to make a conscious choice to ignore somebody who I know is lying to me in a foreign country and going to a place that looks more and more shady. Or I can actually sit back and go, hmm, this is bad for me. And so uh, Gavin DeBecker wrote this book called The Gift of Fear. And he talks about how we ignore our intuition all the time and how people know when there's somebody who's going to kill them and or hurt them because they sense it earlier and they ignore their intuition. So the gift of fear sort of teaches us like, hey, your fear is your primal brain saying, hey, there's all these little factors that I don't have time to explain to you right now but you should be afraid and you should worry about this. And that was what was happening in my brain with the taxi was I was going, my, my unconscious brain went, 
you're further away, you know this guy's lying, you understand that you're in a dangerous or potentially dangerous situation, you don't have control over this, the doors are locked and you can't get out, this is how these certain situations happen, you've seen Discovery Channel or whatever, or you just know that something's wrong. But it took my, my conscious brain was like, no, you're wrong because I've never been kidnapped before, so why would that happen now? No, you lived in Mexico, why would they do that to you? No, most people are good, this can't be happening. Oh, if you recognize that this is happening, you might have to fight. And I don't want to fight right now. I want to go out for a beer. Well, you know, blah, blah. And so your rational brain is going, shut up, intuition. This is an inconvenient truth for me right now. I don't want to deal with this crap. That's what was happening in my brain. So once I decided that that I, I had to turn that off because that I was – otherwise I might die, for example – then I decided, okay, I've got to figure out what's going on. So, of course, I'm still testing the waters, testing the door, asking the driver what's going on. But after a while, my conscious brain went, okay, I'm running out of excuses as to why this is safe for you. You're probably getting screwed. You're probably getting kidnapped. So, you know, yeah, and Daniel Becker, good point. So true. And in addition, you're usually trying to rationalize yourself towards the outcome you'd like to have or prefer. Absolutely. Why isn't she calling me back? She's probably busy writing down all the reasons why I'm so amazed. That's why. It's not because she's not interested, right? So you're always looking for that type of situation subconsciously, and that's what was happening in the taxi. And so once my rational brain ran out of reasons and we stopped in front of a place, and I realized that as Gavin DeBecker writes in his book, we're at the secondary location, a.k.a. the place where nobody can hear you scream, that's where he said all the bad stuff really happens. And I remember Gavin t saying on Oprah 20 years ago, literally, you should never go to the secondary location. The best place for you to put up a fight is right where they try to take you. And I had already, that was too late. You know, I already had been taken sort of Liam Neeson style. I'd already been taken in the car and we were already at the secondary location. Now I can either go in and like a lamb to the slaughter. Or I can go, whoa, draw the line. This is not good. This is where all the real bad stuff happens. I'm not doing this. And that's where I made my stand. And I, you know, look, he might have just wanted to get his two sons in the car and take me to some ATMs in the end. Or I, he might have wanted to chop me up into little pieces. I wasn't really willing to bet on somebody who'd already kidnapped and lied to me that they were not going to cause me any further harm. So that's where I made my last, uh, or last, that's where I made my stand. And I'm really thankful that I did that. I wish I'd done it earlier because if we'd struggled at a red light, I could have just walked home. But instead, I thankfully found somebody who was willing to pick me up and take me to a metro station because I might have just gotten lost and could have gotten mugged or beat up or killed by somebody else because I was in a dangerous place. You know, I got lucky. And I think when we're in a foreign country, if we live there, we get comfortable and we think, ah, I'm basically a local. You're not. You're not. You still have a target on your back. You might know the ropes, but you don't look like a local. And if you don't look like a local, you still are going to be victimized more than a local person would. And you see this all the time. Embassy workers that have worked in a place for five years, they go downtown and they get mugged. And they're like, what? I live here. Yeah. And people know that you live here and they don't care. You know, they don't care. They're, they want to beat you up and take your money. Or they want to kidnap you and hold you for ransom or whatever. They're not thinking, you know, maybe I shouldn't kidnap this gringo because, you know, he speaks pretty good Spanish. They don't give a, a crap. They're looking for your wallet or they're looking for your kidneys or whatever the hell they're going to take from you. They don't really care. Oh, no, you know, we might have mutual friends. They don't give a crap. These are criminals, man. They're criminals. 
you're dealing with people who aren't thinking deeply about this. Damn, those are those are some good points, especially about women having to trust their intuition more than men, probably, uh, probably ancestrally for for years and years, protecting their their children where men have the testosterone flowing through their veins and they're saying like, oh, you know, makes us overconfident and all, just all the reasons that you said, you know, when I walk around somewhere, I think, oh, well, I speak good Spanish. They're not going to mess with me. It doesn't matter at all. You're no, absolutely right. In fact, they've probably been they've probably been thinking about robbing me for longer. So, you know, they, of course, there are easier targets. Um, and I wanted to ask you that, like, Shit, if you were 220 pounds and, and intimidating or 200 and whatever pounds you were Two and, and nine, you yeah. looked intimidated, yet, yeah, like, how, uh, how can people who are listening make themselves less of a target? Because it's way easier to go out after the 65-year-old couple whose mm. wife is wearing the per pearls and the dad's got the golf shirt and the Rolex. Like, obviously, right? rob those people and not the athletic young man. But uh, how can people kind of either fit in a little bit better or not make themselves such a target? Yeah, so a couple of things that I've done over the past, you know, 20 plus years of traveling here and there, especially when I was ballsier as a kid, younger guy, I should say, in my 20s traveling um, to developing countries and stuff like that. Some of the things that, are, that you can use now that we didn't have back then, always use uber or hotel taxis they're slightly more expensive but the thing is uber obviously there's a record of the driver there's hopefully there's background checks they're going to be a lot less likely to do anything because there's going to be a record of who that person was where you were going there's gps tracking and things like that hotel taxis are usually audited or kept track of by somebody at the hotel a nice four-star hotel especially they're going to keep track they're not going to let you get into an unlicensed shady taxi they're going to do business with taxi companies only that really make money by taking people places. The other types of taxis, the freelance, the, the scammy ones, they're the ones who pick people up on the street. It might help to just walk further to a hotel um, and get a taxi there, or it might be better just to call one on your phone if that's an option you have in that particular country. Another thing is if you're in a real shady place, hire a driver and just have them on lock on mobile. Yeah, it might cost you 50 bucks a day in a developing world country to have your own driver. But if you're going out, you're going to do a bunch of stuff. It might even cost you less, frankly. Or have a taxi driver that you just know, and the guy works six days a week, and you have another one for the seventh day, and you text him in the morning, and you say, hey, I'm going to be going out tonight. I'm going to need pickup around this time, and I'm going to need another pickup around this time. And they'll either wait for you, and it'll cost you 10 bucks for an hour of them waiting, you know, because these are countries where if they don't have Uber or taxi services, it's so it's so developing that you can usually hire someone in their car or their scooter for peanuts. So there's really no excuse now to take a street taxi at four o'clock in the morning that you don't know. There's just no reason to anymore. Um, another thing is pickpockets are often a problem. So when I go to a place that really has a lot of issues like that, I'll take a decoy wallet. And what is what a decoy wallet is, is usually something that is um, kind of just like a junky, fake, I guess you could say, wallet. Usually I buy them at a street vendor, and I'll put in a bunch of local banknotes that are worth maybe the equivalent of 20 bucks, and I'll take money out of there for small things so that someone – because a lot of pickpockets, what I've known from interviewing pickpockets, is that 
they're looking for people who have a lot of cash. So if they're looking in your wallet or if a vendor is looking in your wallet and then is texting to pickpocket who to rob because they know who's carrying cash, they'll go, this punk only has like $16. And he just spent four of them with me on a token, trinket, whatever, or on a drink, you know, or a meal. They want, you become less of a target. You keep your real money in your waist pocket or your underwear, or whatever, you know, sort of secret stuff you have. It doesn't, that stuff doesn't work when you're taking a $20 bill out of your crotch and going, here, can you break this? They're just going to rob you. They know where you're keeping your money. But if you have a decoy wallet that has small enough pocket money that you can use that for your day to day, and then you go to the bathroom to refill it, then you'll be a lot better off. And you can keep that in a place where if a pickpocket does go for you, they're going to give up after they get it. So a lot of things, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll have that decoy wallet. I'll keep a bunch of crappy, either fake or not that useful cards in there, like an expired library card, an insurance card that doesn't have my name on it, and uh, an old ID. Something like that will be in there so it looks real enough that if somebody does hold you up at night for gunpoint, you can toss it to them and they go, great, this looks legit, I'm out. Also, I keep a thick rubber band around it or two, and what that does is when someone tries to pull it out of your pocket, a good pickpocket will still get it, but the average pickpocket or street thief will draw a lot of attention pulling it out because the rubber bands will catch on your clothing and it'll be a harder lift. And so that combined with uh, crappies only got 20 bucks in there, they're not going to bother a lot of the time. And if they do, then you can, you, you know, you'll notice and you can just ignore it or you can say, hey, man, if it's three kid, you can go knock it off. And a lot of times the pickpocket will go, oh, sorry, sorry, me scusi, right? And they'll leave you alone because they figure, oh, you're more alert than I want to deal with. The other thing that I'll do is I'll buy a cheap-ass pack of local cigarettes. I don't smoke, but I'll buy a cheap-ass pack of local cigarettes. I'll stick my decoy wallet in my pocket with the rubber bands, and I'll put the decoy cigarettes on top of it. That way they've got to lift out a pack of cigarettes and then go back in and get my decoy wallet because it's on top of the wallet. So good luck with that. For 16 bucks, no thanks. They're just going to go for the guy who has a Rolex on and is trying to impress his date. You know, um, and Daniel Becker says, don't look like a freaking tourist would be a good tip. If you look lost, it's like saying I'm an easy target. True. But if you're in Panama and you're in the old city, you're going to look like a tourist because you're white. And that's just the way it is. But yeah, if you're if you blend in a little bit. Cool, man. Good. If you hang out with a couple locals and you've got a fixer, I highly recommend hiring a fixer, a.k.a. a local college student, even somebody that you meet on couchsurfing.org or something like that can be a really good security blanket because they're not going to let you go somewhere shady by yourself. If you go out at night, maybe they're going to join you and you can pay them. You know, you can even say, Hey, I'm looking for a local college student to show me around, make sure I don't get ripped off, take a couple of photos. That's a $20 a day assignment for a college kid in Peru. Damn, these are some really good, really good tips. Uh, and I, I like the rubber band one. I've never worked with I've never used the rubber band or the the dummy wallet, uh, but you know I, I take my wallet out as little as possible. I mean it mm -hmm. just makes sense. Or leave it back at the hotel in the safe, uh, or you know have okay yes you're supposed to carry your ID or or sure everyone carries their phone these days because that's more helpful in emergency situation usually than anything or mm -hmm. just have a picture of your passport don't bring your actual passport take a photo of it don't let your phone die and you should be good and you know take even if it's 50 100 bucks with you yeah have that in your pocket but uh yeah you don't want to be just waving your wallet around all over the place and no. or or have your wallet in your pocket and and put the 
cash in another pocket or, or something like that. You're, you know, your petty cash, keep that in, a, in another pocket. Um, so I think that's really important. Jordan, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about how you can discern your fear from what actually is intuition in a second. But I wanted to shout out a couple of people. We had, uh, it looks like Corey is here, Pam No, Daniel Becker has been contributing. We appreciate your comments. Uh, we have requests uh, from people coming in from Spain. Uh, hola, Ana, como esta? Uh, we have John Owed. We've got Michael coming. Laura from Florida is here. Jeff Gable. Uh, so, oh, Heather Marie says hi, Matt. Joe Linksman up in Newburgh, New York. Uh, Shannon. God, Shan last time I talked to Shannon, she was up way in near Canada, or, or sorry, not near Canada, near Alaska on the Canadian side, I'm pretty sure. Um, ton of people coming by. Some, uh, Kristen Pellegrinelli, who I hadn't seen since high school. This is, uh, this is pretty cool. So, uh, and, and Anthony says some great tips here. So I, I appreciate this, Jordan. I, I wanted to ask you, how can you discern your fear, right? Which is just, oh, I'm scared. I'm in a foreign country. Oh, God, I don't want to get kidnapped. I might be paranoid with okay, this is actually my intuition talking right here. You need to be careful in this situation. How do, you, how do you tell the difference? Between being scared and being right about something? Yes, I mean, if you're right, right, okay, I am getting kidnapped. Of course, you're going to be scared, and you can also be right. But sometimes it's just your mind. You know, when you get yourself out of your comfort zone in yeah. any aspect of life, and it doesn't just have to be about a situation like this, okay, you have fear going off in your, your head or you can feel it in your stomach and you're a little bit sick to your stomach because you're about to uh, jump off a cliff into, into the water, right? And maybe there are rocks underneath there and that is your intuition telling you, hey man, don't jump. This is really going to be a bad situation or you're just scared. So I, I'm curious how you can tell the difference. Yeah, it's tough because sometimes your fear is hmm, there's a lot of things going on here that don't make me feel comfortable with this. And sometimes you're scared and you also don't know why. But I would say traditionally, if I'm scared to jump in a river, maybe it's because I'm afraid to jump in the river because I see that it's deep or I can't see the bottom and I don't know if there's rocks because it's murky or there's alligator. I don't know. Maybe I don't know the reason. But if I'm in a taxi cab and I'm thinking – there's a lot of things that aren't right about this and I'm constant and I'm rationalizing my way around them, then I would be more inclined to listen to that fear because it actually seems like it's a rational basis. But if I'm thinking I'm scared to go on a stage and talk because I might embarrass myself, I can think about the worst case scenario and go, yeah, what if I just barf on this stage and it's going to be really embarrassing and everyone's going to remember that for 10 years? Yeah, maybe it's unlikely. But even then, you, you could recover from that. But if I'm in a taxi cab and I'm getting kidnapped, um, I might die in a slow, painful way that involves lots of torture. Okay, I don't know if I'm willing to risk that, right? Like, even a 1% chance of that, really grave. A 1% chance of me barfing on stage, I'll, I'll, I'll run those odds. I'll roll those dice, right? Especially because the upside is I give a presentation and I kill it and I do great in my personal brand and my boss loves me. The upside for the taxi cab thing, I get to the bar 20 minutes earlier that I was going to. So the downside is death. The upside is whatever. 
Whereas the other, the other sort of cost benefit analysis is the upside is career changing skill set, and the downside is an unlikely event that would result in some embarrassment. So I weigh the pros and cons, and I try to do that as quickly as possible. But if if you're talking about personal safety, always obey your intuition. If you're talking about embarrassment, challenge yourself. You know, that's kind of where I'm at with it. No, I, I think that's great. Um, Jordan, as a lawyer, I want to ask you, what happens if somebody finds themselves in jail, locked up abroad? I've never, I think that's a TV show. I have not it seen it. I have, thank you for that. Now I'm sounding like the old one here. Uh, but what, what do you do? And even if you're not locked up abroad, I mean, people have more of a sense when they end up in jail, whether, you know, they're, they're guilty or not, and they're in their home country, okay, you probably have a good sense of what the law is if you've been around a little while and have thought about these things, or, or I don't know, you have a better sense of how things work in your home country, basically, it's a better chance that you know the law. But if you're abroad, uh, what would you suggest for people with they just find themselves in a in a bad situation? It's it's not always your fault you end up in jail. Yeah, the first thing you should do is try to contact the duty officer at the US Embassy and tell them that you're in jail, and they will at least try to find out where you are. And that's good. Because if you if you wait for the jailer, or the cops to call you an attorney, might never happen they might never do it they might call you a lawyer that's on kind of hey this is to happen for you the other thing that you can do is if you if you're living in a country like you are i would go find an english-speaking lawyer now and put his number on speed dial and say hey look if i ever get in a situation i just want to know that i have someone to call if you're on vacation call the embassy they'll try to help you it won't be that great because honestly the u.s embassy abroad Sorry, diplomats, you've got other stuff to do. They're very much not that helpful, but it's your best bet. But if you live in another country, find one or two English-speaking lawyers. Ideally, make friends with them. Take them out to dinner once every three months so that they pick up your freaking phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning because you did get arrested, and they're the only ones who know what to do at that point. Whereas the embassy says... I'll leave a message and somebody should get it on Monday when they come back in. And now you're in jail, you know, with dysentery for two days before anybody even comes to see you or, or knows anything. You want that lawyer to run down there and go, oh, it's a simple misunderstanding that can be rectified by helping them replace the uniform that you spilled on. And you go spilled on. Oh, wait, got it. Got it. Here's 50 bucks. And here's another hundred for the lawyer. Let's go get some tacos. That's how that works in some places. Uh, I remember when I was working in Panama at the U.S. Embassy, we got pulled over by the cops. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I work for the U.S. Embassy. I'm not going to stand for this. And then the other person who was in the car who worked for the embassy went, hey, are you guys hungry? And the cops were like, si, senor. And he went, is there, I know I really missed that stop sign. Maybe I should just take care of the fine right here. And they went, si, senor. And he went, how about $10? And they went, perfect. Thank you. Have a nice day. And I'm like, holy shit, I almost went to jail over that. Right. Or I almost like I almost like put up an indignant fight. And he's like, no, just give him money. It's lunchtime. That's why they pulled us over. We weren't speeding. We didn't run a stop sign. It's lunchtime. That's it. And I went, wow, yep. OK, I just saved myself a lot of grief. Yeah, I've uh, I've I've been in that very similar situation. Uh, it, my, one of my first trips to Nicaragua 
and we got pulled over in Managua and I happened to be with a, a group of people and it hadn't been up to me how we were going to handle this situation at the time. I was not nearly as, you know, this is six years ago. I would have, you know, turned around and said, all right, everybody pass up 20 bucks. Let's give this guy what he's, what he's looking for. But, you know, once I started to speak to local friends who, who, tell me what to, you know, told me what to do when you get pulled over in that kind of situation. And this is in no way advice for anybody, but this is what happened in my situation uh, or what I was told by the local people were, yes, it was lunchtime. And uh, yeah, with my, my local friends said with my license and registration, I keep, keep a couple dollars and, or, you know, a couple uh, Cordovas, which is the Nicaraguan currency. Sure. And and that's what they're looking for. And if they know that, you know, then it's all good. They're just hungry. You know, they, they make very little money. Uh, and so they're just looking for a little something extra. Um, so, yeah, I completely I completely agree. Jordan, I wanted to to ask ask you. I, I like your you advice. Want to about, ask me yes. Ask you. Ask me a question. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to ask you something. Uh, I'm going to take a little drink. So that doesn't happen again. So what I wanted to ask right, you right. was... Right, right, because you, you speak Ebonics only when your mouth is dry. Sure. Exactly, exactly. So uh, when you are in your everyday life in the States, I know you are an expert networker. Uh, of course, you're a, you're a lawyer you're, yourself, but how much of this, uh, hey, I have a lawyer friend, it would be really good to know him just in case I have... Uh, issue in the future. Let me let me pull out my Rolodex and take him out for lunch. Or, hey, uh, all right, uh, one of my really good buddies down here in Costa Rica is a mechanic. He's a really good friend to have, right? And and he's a genuine friend. I don't just go and see him because I know one day I'll break down and need to call him. But there's a, there's a certain uh, you know there's a certain number of people in your life that you're going to need to call and you're going to need to. Uh, have put time into those relationships, I guess is yeah. the best thing to say. And so I'm curious what you do in, in your life, whether it's your accountant or your lawyer or, or whoever else that you might have on kind of your personal advisory board. Sure. So uh, accountants, lawyers, I mean, I keep everybody on my personal advisory board wherever possible. It doesn't have to just be an accountant or a lawyer or something like that. Those are obviously important people to have on there for any reason, but I, I've, man, there's people who work at freaking Facebook, Twitter, da, da, da. These are all real friends of mine. It's just that I do also make a note of where they work just in case I can, con and, and I don't do it because I might need something. I do it because more likely somebody else in my network might need something. So I might make, I might befriend a lawyer when I live in Mexico. And yes, if I get arrested, I will call that person first, but I will also say, hey, man, I've got a bunch of other expat friends that live down here, and you should just meet them. You know, they might become clients. Some of them want to buy property. Others of them are going to run into problems with the cops. You know, other guys, are, they have kids who are going to go out. Some people, they're going to have an issue with another uh, company here. They might need something. And he goes, great. So I might set up a group dinner or lunch with five or six people and go, hey, we should all just meet this lawyer because, you know, he – you never know. And we all live here and we should all get them on speed dial. And we, and I say to the lawyer, where's your favorite place, man? It's on us. You know, let's go get something good. And he goes, great. Uh, I know a good steakhouse. So now I'm taking out this lawyer and a bunch of my friends to the steakhouse and he's going, 
Jordan is great, man. He not only did he buy me this great meal, he introduced me to six potential clients. Man, I owe this guy one. He's not thinking, great, I got to go out to dinner with this schmo so he can pump me for free legal advice. This is just such bullshit, right? You know, it's, it's me trying to help them, not me going, oh, I need to be, make sure this guy's on speed dial. Now, sometimes you click with somebody and you go, hey, Rod, let's go out and get a beer. And he goes, great. Yeah, cool. I'm almost done. Let's meet at this club or whatever. And you genuinely have fun with this person and you enjoy them. That's a great friendship too. But if I'm looking at how I can help other people without the expectation of something in return, then that's a much easier networking strategy. And a great way to do that is to find out other people who might be able to hire him. And the more, the merrier. Because out of those six people that I had uh, hung out with at this dinner in Mexico slash Panama, where I hired lawyers just to make sure I had my butt covered, one or two of them over the course of the next six months to a year would go, shoot, you know, I got ripped off by a mechanic or, or you know, oh man, I'm having problems with my neighbor because I, I don't know how this works. I'm renting this property, but my neighbor's always partying until 4 a.m. Like, can I just call the cops? I don't know if I can do that. What's the best way to handle this? And so that's the type of advice that they might call that lawyer for. And even if the lawyer doesn't charge them for that, we might, after that, they might say, yeah, I called Rodrigo and he gave me this really good advice on what to do about my shitty neighbor. And then I go, you know what? You don't have to pay him for that because he's a cool dude, but what we should do is just get him a case of wine. And you go, oh yeah, cool. Let's go get him a case of wine. It's like 60 bucks. So we'll go get him a case of wine. We'll drop it off at his house. And he'll go, oh, you guys didn't have to do that. And we're like, no, 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 man. You know, that was really cool of you to help us out with this. Enjoy the wine. And then he goes, well, where are you going? Come on in. Let's at least try it. So then we're sitting there. We're having a glass of wine in his veranda. And it doesn't cost us more than a little bit of time and a little bit of dough. And he's genuinely very thankful because he's like, all I did was tell you, don't call the cops. It's going to make it worse. You know, tell the landlord and they'll handle it. You know, to, like whatever advice he got was just like so easy. Two seconds of advice. And he says, these guys are really cool. You know, like this, this, these are really nice people. So then when you're, when it is 4am and you're stuck in a Mexican jail, he goes, hang on, I'm getting out of bed. W what the hell is going I can't believe this. No, no, no. Hold on. And he shows up you know, with a cup of coffee and a suit and says, I'm not leaving until you get out of here. This is total bullshit. And that can be, that can happen. And then you're going, thank God I brought a case of wine to this guy. Thank God I bought this guy a steak eight months ago, you know, because you really don't want to be trying to make friends with a lawyer from jail. That's not how it works. That, that's a good point. That is a really good point. That is not how it works. Um, Jordan, I want to wrap up in yeah. a few minutes to be respectful of your, your time. Uh, I want to ask you one final question. Shout out a couple more people who came and uh, had some comments even for us. We had Steven. Steven, I already talked about Sancho's here in Costa Rica. He, he missed it. He works down there. Uh, Tony Ramirez is coming. Last time I saw him was in Arizona. Uh, Andrew Hill, Dr. Andrew Hill. Jordan, do you know yeah. uh, Dr. Hill oh, by yeah. any chance? Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Yeah, you got to get him on your podcast if if you haven't. Uh, he's he's a really interesting dude. I've he been has, working down him. He was on he was on the other show that I had before, and he's and I was starting to do some of that brain stuff, brain stuff in L.A. at his place, and it is uh, pretty awesome. I can't wait to continue with it. Awesome, I, I'm doing it. Let me know if uh, I actually had a call with him 
last week or last week yesterday. So uh, yeah, I'm curious what you're doing. We can talk offline, of course. Mm -hmm. um, we've got Tyson. We've got Tyson uh, saying great advice, networking tip. Sean Seacrest has a up and coming podcast, The Unbeatable Path, I believe it's called. Says glad I'm catching this. And uh, Tyson says wine always works. So. That is uh, that is also good advice, Tyson. Nice work on on that, Jordan. Um, if you uh, we're going to leave everybody with a, with a little bit of advice, um, but but actually first, before I ask you for your for your last piece of advice, I wanted to hear what's next for you. I know you're in a little bit of a transition period, and uh, you're starting off with the Jordan Harbinger show. And which is which is the whole reason I wanted to to bring you on to hear what you were doing. So you want to let everybody know? Sure. So I ran the other show, The Art of Charm, for 11 years. I've stepped away from that company entirely. And now I'm on The Jordan Harbinger Show. And what I'm doing is interviewing amazing people, of course, but brilliant people so I can get their wisdom out to everyone. And every episode of the show solves a problem and or makes the listener better for having heard it. Because I don't want to do shows that are just interesting. I don't want to do shows that are just like, oh, that was a fun conversation randomly. I want to deliver tips, actionable advice, value in every single one. And that might be something that makes your brain work better. That might be something that works your body work better. Or it might be stuff like this where it's like networking tips, advice, strategies from anyone from a CEO of a company all the way to a celebrity like Shaquille O'Neal and how he makes decisions or a military general and how they make tough choices, things like that. And the format's going to be much more open than it was in my old show, which was like dating and relationships and things like that. And I just got sick of it. Now I'm going to have a more open format. It's going to be a lot more accessible and a lot more interesting. And that's at the Jordan Harbinger show, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And we're already in the top 50 in iTunes and in the top 10, in our category, which is education appropriately. So I'm excited to, to build up that new audience after having a show with 4 million downloads before. I think we can get it to, to five uh, and, and just really build something special where people are learning and getting better all the time on the Jordan Harbinger show. So thanks so much for having me on here to let people know what I'm up to and so that I can hopefully help people avoid some kidnaps or some jail time or whatever you know while they're traveling with you guys well not with you when they're traveling not no yeah of course everybody. right everything's always fine everybody's always safe yes. and having a great time uh jordan speak is speaking of tips advice actionable things i, I do want to leave people with some actionable stuff um you, you said you did say decision making and i think that's what this all comes down to is trying to help people make better decisions and uh, that will help them stay out of Mexican jails among Hopefully. other things. Yeah. You got, you got anything to leave everybody with? Yeah. I would say that it's not just about trying to avoid problems. Yeah, of course. I mean, please, please avoid trouble. But the, the idea here is that tragedy slash drama slash suffering in the broadest sense will find you. It's like to go back to the Liam Neeson and taken suffering and drama and trouble, especially if you're traveling, has a very unique set of skills and it will track you down and it will find you. Right. So you've got to be prepared for it, not just try to avoid it the whole time. So make sure that you are creating good networks in the places where you live, whether that's just with friends, neighbors and or lawyers, uh, security people, the embassy. Make sure that you have a network because if you run out of money and you're in a strange place and you don't have your phone and you don't have this and you don't have that, you cannot dig that well once you're thirsty. 
you need to have those relationships and that network in place because that's the one thing that nobody can rob from you, take from you, uh, cause you to leave home without by accident. It's always going to be the relationships that save your butt and you need to build them before you need them or that, or it's too late. So if you're traveling abroad, if you're living abroad, even if you're going for a short period of time, have that network in place. And if that just means calling the embassy, letting them know you're going to be there and maybe calling the local doctor and the local lawyer that's listed in freaking lonely planet and programming those numbers into your cell phone and letting them know you're going to be there and getting their 24 hour emergency numbers. Fine. That's better than nothing. But most people will never even go that far. And then they find themselves in a world of hurt and they go, Hey, excuse me. Can I have the number for the lawyer? And the jailer goes no and throws a six day old rice at your feet. And you have to sit there for three days until the judge gets back from his fishing trip. That's not a situation you want to be in. That is not a situation, especially abroad. Things seem to happen much slower than you ever want. It, it probably, pa time probably passes even slower if you're in a jail cell. Sure so does. great advice, Jordan. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir. Thank yeah, you. you got it. Looking forward to, uh, to checking out your show. I just subscribed today. Perfect. Thank you very much. Looking forward to hearing. Yeah, you're very welcome. Say about it. All right. Absolutely. Thank you guys for joining in on Facebook Live. This is Matt Wilson, Jordan Harbinger, signing off on the Live Different Podcast.